Good afternoon, this is Gary Kamner here on TRSI. I'm here today with my friend and colleague Michael Dwyer. Today is Wednesday, it is the 27th of the 10th, and we are here to tell you that yet again, we were right. <laughs> you like that, don't you? I'll take my chances where I can get them. How are we right, Gary? Tell me. So on the last show, we were talking about the reports we were seeing out of England of people being spiked on nights out through an injection from needles and syringes and we went through some of the stats in relation to spikings explained that the way this thing had spread over like a very large geographical area very quickly and um, the way there was no evidence all of these things indicated didn't say definitely but indicated that this was just a good old-fashioned panic mm-hmm. and I was we were making the point that there's no reason why this would spread to Ireland because it's primarily being spread through social media and there's no sense of distance on social media. So people are going to see this, they're going to wake up after maybe having drank too much or whatever happened and they're going to think that this happened to them. And I think within a day of us saying that, the first Irish reports of it happening started to come out. So there have now been multiple newspaper articles on this happening in Ireland You may not have noticed them because they tend to have only been mentioned in the lower tier newspapers, you know, the Sunday World, the Irish Examiner, those kind of papers. Disreputable sources. Naturally. But they are starting to break true. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I suppose, depending on what your view of this is, the first couple of cases that we've seen on social media do not appear to be, um, Michael, shall we say, well-evidenced. Well-evidenced or evidenced at all? Or is it pull your evidence out your So I saw a number of posts on social media which were alleging that these things had happened and that people had gone to the hospital and had been confirmed and they had gone to the guards and they had reported it. Um, There was also a very popular post on social media which consisted of a series of photos of someone saying that that person had tried to eject women uh, with something through a needle or syringe and that that person had been reported to the police for it. But the one that really caught my eye was a post which made the same claim and showed a photo of a bruise on an arm and was widely retweeted by people in and and commented on liked by people in media and um, politicians like Regina Doherty, who you may remember as the former minister and now the leader of the Shannet and the leader of Fine Gael in the Shannet. Right, important person. Regina Doherty retweeted it and said that this was something that women had to be uh, scared of. Really? Yes. Yeah, that this, I'll, I'll pull the exact wording on it. She said, this is incredibly scary for young women to have to contend with. Be extra cautious. So this is one of the, I mean, constitutionally, not in an actual power level, but constitutionally, one of the highest ranking politicians in the country, telling women that this is absolutely happening. Now, I got yes. into a bit of a back and a forth with Regina on this, because I said it, I said it was grossly irresponsible to use your platform to broadcast things like that when you cannot verify that this has actually happened. Oh, Gary pulls out the big guns, the hits her with the grossly irresponsible. Grossly irresponsible. Oh, oh. And Regina told me that, well, the reports are on the increase and it's important for women to be aware of the risk they face. And I said, well, you know, that's, that's a good point, but the way it's spreading has all the hallmarks of a panic. It may be happening, but you don't know it's happening. And if it's not happening and people are told by authority figures that it is happening, that's going to increase the level of fear and anxiety and that itself is going to be harmful. And she told me it was a little odd that I was questioning a young woman who it clearly has happened to 
and is seeking to warn other women of the potential risks. Anyway, this this went on for a while, and I kept making the general point, it's not that I'm saying she's wrong, I'm saying you can't prove it, and you're broadcasting it. Well, Gary, to be fair, it's not even that you can't prove it, that she has no evidence at all to back this up, other than the simple statement. Yeah, anyway, it ended with me saying, look, I support people being aware of the risks they face, but I don't support deciding to tell women based on a Twitter post with no confirmed report that something is happening and they should be afraid of it happening to them. And Regina told me that clearly the difference between me and you, Gary, is that I believe women. I believe victims when they come forward. Oh, my sister many years ago had a phrase which she stopped using. In certain in certain moments of particular excess sentimentality, for example, in a movie or something, she would comment, puke in a cup and let it set. And I have to say, for the first time in a very long time, I feel impelled to, to use that image in response to Regina. I mean, how, for a start... I mean, how condescending and patronising is that as a response? How pious is that? Anyway, I said I think the more pertinent difference is that I think you should wait until it's confirmed there actually is a victim and what they are a victim of before using your platform to tell women they should be afraid of some new way they can be victimised. And anyway, she said, look, this woman has reported her experience to Gary. Everything is being confirmed I don't know what part of that you have a problem accepting. Have a nice day. But Michael, you know, I couldn't leave it at that. You see, she 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 made the fundamental error there, Gary. She went, she went beyond. She said, not that this woman had said, that it had been reported and it had all been confirmed and the guardie, etc., etc. Now that whole, that opened up a whole new vista. Yes, because it's, then I went and looked at this person's post. And in the initial post, when they claimed they'd been needle spiked, they didn't say where they'd been spiked. They didn't say what hospital they'd gone to, what guard the station they'd gone to, nor what drugs they were injected with. But they said a hospital had confirmed they had been injected with multiple drugs. And firstly, there's no need to post proof of an assault on social media. It's, it's for the police. It, obviously, you can't make someone do it. But it is interesting that they didn't post a great deal of information there because anything that was put there could be verified and falsified. So I went, but one thing I did notice was this woman was saying repeatedly that she had reported it to the guards. So I asked the guards, because that you can verify. They won't tell you about any individual case. But because this is so new, you just ask them, have there been any reports? And the guards got back to me and said, we won't comment on anything happening on social media. Now, I hadn't mentioned social media to them, so they were aware of this already. But we have not received any reports from women of that type. But yet, Michael, Regina Doherty, one of the highest ranking politicians in the state, told me it had been reported to Gardaí and it had been confirmed. And it, <laughs> I don't know what part of that you have a problem accepting. Yeah, but Gary, why don't you believe women? Why don't you believe victims? What's going on with Gary? Fundamentally, I think women are human, and I think humans will lie to you. Oh, that I don't know. I don't know. Or, you know, they something will happen. They will think a certain thing happened, or it didn't. Humans can oftentimes be mistaken, Michael, as opposed to lying to you. Sometimes people will legitimately believe things happened to them, which didn't. I know. I can imagine that happening to men. I'm, I don't know if that happens to women. It is a high bar. I know, obviously, Regina struggles to get over that one herself. But here's the interesting thing. So I put that as a, a grip story. I threw it up and said, look, Gary, say there's no reports of women being spiked, despite what you're hearing from other newspapers and despite what you're hearing from social media. Because a lot of these people were saying they had made reports. So we can't say the fact that there were no reports means that the other allegations didn't happen, 
But if someone is misleading you in one part, well, that, yeah. But I, to be honest, Michael, a large part of why I wrote the story was so that I could put in the center of it that quote from Regina Doherty, that clearly the difference between <laughs> me and you, Gary, is that I believe women. I believe victims when they come forward. Yeah. Just because I thought it would be fun. I mean, I know what she's saying there, but I do think it's a rather unfortunate conflation or apparent conflation of women with victim. But anyway, I put up that story and people started asking her why the guards were saying there were no reports when she said she'd reported it. But why, Regina? Why are the guards saying this, Regina? Tell me. And um, the woman who made the initial allegation deleted it. Oh, just removed it with no comment. And a couple of other people I had also seen making similar claims also removed their content. But the woman who was retweeted by Regina Doherty, thousands upon thousands of people had retweeted that and liked it and there were journalists involved. The other ones were kind of small things still within their social circles. So I think, you know, they got one question, why have you said you reported this when the police have said they've got nothing? But there were a couple of other big ones that also got pulled because it turns out lots of people had been saying they'd reported this to the guards and had been confirmed. And uh, I sort of killed many of them without realising I had done so. Can I just ask you one question? And there's no reason why you'd know the answer to this. You said there were journalists involved in these other threads. Uh, without being sarky about it, professional journalist hears story from person, said it to report to the guards not trying to be deliberately provocative of whatever, but why wouldn't you just ring up the guards and say, did you get a report about this? Why wouldn't, why would you just run with this? I mean, it, I'm not talking specifically about the, a problem with this story, but Gary, isn't that, haven't we discussed so many stories where a part of the problem seems to be that everything has to happen immediately, that you have to react to a piece of video immediately and not just react to it, take a, a definitive, definite position. We now know everything that happened because I've seen 17 seconds of video and therefore there is no more discussion. This is this person is a very bad person and we must do terrible things to them. To speak, why wouldn't you hang back? How long could how long could it take? You're making a very particular assumption there, Michael. Which which was that they didn't. They didn't go and try and fact check this. I got that response so quickly from the police and it was in such an odd form, just about that part that I mentioned and just the general construction of it, that I would strongly suspect I was not the first person to ask the police about it. If that's the case, what you're actually saying is something rather more disturbing, which is they had checked, they'd found that there was no report, but they went ahead with the pretense of believing the report to be accurate anyway. I would suspect that what happened was the more upper scale, uh, the more sort of rigorous newspapers checked all of them and then decided not to write about it when they received a response that said that that didn't happen. Because, Michael, if you if you write that report, you are effectively calling a woman who's alleging that she may have, you know, anything may have happened to her while she was unconscious. You're effectively calling her a liar. Yeah, that would... Uh could be the implication. And that's not something most of those newspapers are going to want to jump into. So I would suspect they checked and then decided they just weren't going to cover it. There's no incentive for a newspaper to come out and say this isn't happening. Sto stories like this are from a, a journalistic perspective, from the actual business of a, of a newspaper. They're worth incredible amounts of money. These are the sort of stories that drive mass reading of stories. Because people are afraid, and fear is a very potent seller of newspapers. It's 
sort of the, the original clickbait. You see the story you want to, to click, you will go and follow the story. It, I, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, this is a long way from the particular story we're talking about. That these kinds of stories, they, they all they carry this, they all have the same shape, don't they? they? They never fundamentally evolve or change. They just go through periods where they're fallow, they're quiet, and then they just reappear again, and we have the panic again, and they go on. Then they they then they will disappear, but there are certain elements to the stories which always remain constant. The geography slightly changes, maybe the substance might change. Here, the the the, the evolution here is the is the use of the the hyperdermic. That's a new element to the story, but the fundamental story is the same. And I suspect this is a story. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if in in Victorian London, Dickensian London, there were newspapers writing about women in taverns in Whitehall being spiked by laudanum. I had no particular interest in writing about the story because the person who who made the initial claim and has now deleted it. Um, yep, yeah, something may have happened to her. She may legitimately believe something happened to her. And I think in cases like this, I'm very careful to not say anyone is lying. It would be hard for you, Michael, to understand the levels of good faith I am now operating on. <laughs> but she's just, she's not a public person. There's no point talking about her. What is in, what is, what becomes a story is other people taking that and broadcasting it because it is politically in their interest to appear at the forefront of that thing and to then perhaps bring it up in the doll and say, you know, we need more laws and then you're a politician doing something. So similar to newspapers and journalists, the incentive here from a politician is to act as if this is absolutely true and happening. And that's even ignoring the kind of cultural context in which the, the allegations are made. It's happening. It's a danger. But you are going to fix it. You are going to save the women. I must, I think, thank Regina Doherty. I was initially, after I published the story, thinking I might reach out to her and ask her to apologise for insinuating that I have some uh, issue with believing women. But I thought, no. In fact, Regina has done a great thing because she has, in just record time, demonstrated the problem with saying things like, I believe women. So, yeah, that, that has absolutely come over to Ireland. The interesting thing now will be to see if it makes the jump from the kind of lower tier papers to the actual um, you know, the, the Times, the Indo, those kind of things. I had a look there. there. There's mentions of spikings in, I think, one or two of them, but they're not talking about the injection thing. Um, I know the one of the SUs came out there and was talking about it. So, yeah, we, we'll see where it goes. But yeah. it still has all of the hallmarks of a good old-fashioned panic, which is not to say that people who claim it happened to them are wrong. Yeah, sometimes life imitates art. Sometimes people have pan people are, are panicked by things that don't happen. Then other times people hear about panics and think, "Oh, that's something I think I might like to do." Yeah, I mean, you you make a a good point there. If people keep talking about it and positioning it as something that's happening and is working, you start running the risk that uh, you know people who do not have others' best interest at heart may start. Uh, acting upon those stories or deciding to see how effective they are. Mm -hmm. It might be fun. And the problem there is that not only that you actually cause it to happen, but that once it happens, if any of those people are found to have engaged in it, that then gives a sense of reality to the entire thing. And it strengthens the panic, even though yes. the panic is effectively creating the own its own conditions at that point. Um, which is one of the reasons why panics are so hard to stop. 
But it is what it is. We will see. We will see how many more claims are made and how bad things get before things calm down. I did have a, an ask around some kind of teachers I know and people who have young children, and they tell me that the stories are very, very widely circulating amongst girls in that kind of age bracket, young women. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it definitely appears like we will see more on that. Jolly good. So. Uh, the carbon budget, Michael, or do you want to go to Dave Chappelle? Well, let's talk about Dave Chappelle for a little bit anyway. Okay, so Dave Chappelle's new comedy special, it's called The Closer, uh, because he says it's going to be the last of the Netflix specials. He does for a while, and as he says multiple times in it, he's going all in in this one. Yeah. it's A lot of it is about uh, the idea in comedy that you punch up or you punch down. And that there are only certain people who you can punch because you can only punch down. And a lot of it is a discussion about social status, effectively. I'm just going to open by saying it's become this big cultural thing. And particularly because of some of the comments he made about transgender people in it, or rather jokes he made about transgender people in it. And um, it's a big thing. Obviously, Netflix staff are trying to get it removed. He's facing a big backlash in certain quarters which has meant big support in other quarters. But to start with, I would just open with the idea that um, it's not funny. It's not good. It actually reminded me of um, the Australian comedian uh, Nanette. It's like a feminist, progressive uh, comedian. And all of her stuff is really well-reviewed by critics, but hated by the audience, at least on review sites. But her thing is not laughter, it's clapter. It's where you say something that the audience agrees with and they all clap along more than they laugh. And Dave Chappelle's kind of going in that direction with this. There's lots of stuff there that people of particular political persuasions will agree with and often things that aren't said in the media commonly. So Mm -hmm. they clap along with it. But I don't think it's funny. There are parts of it that are moderately amusing. But as a comedy special as opposed to a political polemic... Like, I wouldn't waste your time. If it had been Hannah Gadsby doing the show, I don't know that it would have been much different. I mean, the point of the jokes, if we want to call them jokes, would have been different. But shall we say the comic density of the show would not have been any different if instead of being Chappelle, you had Hannah Gadsby doing her doing Nanette, the Nanette comp- performance. And um, if anybody... I, it's curious. You can. I'm sure if you go on to Google or if you go on to YouTube and just look for Nanette N A N E T T or Hannah Gadsby, um, you'll find her handy enough. She's Australian, and um, it's a particular kind of experience. It was a lot. Of, it was there was a lot of clapter in it. All right. I I felt first and foremost he was completely coasting on the fact that he was Dave Chappelle. And he had that kind of audience reverence. Did you not think, Gary, that that, that was a large element, that, that this audience was going to think he was brilliant, whatever the hell he did? Because he was Dave Chappelle, and they were so lucky and so blessed and fortunate to be allowed to be there for him when he was doing this Netflix special, which was going to be this tremendous cultural event. Because it is now... Am I wrong to say that... The general position seems to be these days that Dave Chappelle is the GOAT. That That is the general position that um, that stands for greatest of all time, if the listener is unaware, that Dave Chappelle is, is the greatest of all time. I've never thought that was true or even approximating true. 
Dave Chappelle is very technically good at what he does, but he's not the best. He's very aware. Uh, it's funny, there are two, actually, the closer is the one that's being, but, but Netflix have actually re- have released another show along with Closer, which is, uh, a, a, like a, I think, a companion piece. I'm not exactly sure the chronology, how long to be before the closer it comes or what relation it has to the closer. But he, he talks about a lot of the same things, but he also talks about the fact that he's been doing stand-up comedy since he was 14. And he spends quite a bit of time talking about how good he is at it. In fact, how he finds it so easy, how superlatively good he is at it. And I have seen Dave Chappelle do shows, and I think he's a funny guy. I think he's a very funny guy at times. I've never thought, again, I mean, it's a personal thing. I never thought that he got anywhere near the, the levels of intensity of comedy that Richard Pryor did, or Eddie Murphy did after him in the American scenario. Um, I can think of other comedians on this side of the pond that I would say that I've considered much more and more consistently funny than Chappelle. But he has become this cultural artifact by himself. And the whole thing is... His relationship with the transgender, you know, it, it almost felt, t- when I watched this and I was reflecting on all of the controversy around the transgender comedy, the, the stories, the jokes, whatever, it, how much of this would, to the extent that this works at all, Gary, if there was no controversy about it, how much of it would work then? How would anybody, how, how many people would watch this if it wasn't, if they weren't watching it in a sense as an act of cultural rebellion? If you weren't aware that this was a problem, this was not a problematic show, that it was just a guy doing stand-up and nobody cared about anything he was saying and you just watched 55 minutes of a guy doing stand-up, I have a feeling that this would be getting not just panned by the critic, critics, but Panned by the audiences too. I think as it is, it's it's one of Netflix's biggest hits. But I I think you're right on that. The controversy has done a lot to gin that up. But then Dave Chappelle is a massive name, huge, yeah. And I suppose if you're interested in you know the cultural impact of it, there is a value in having someone of Dave Chappelle's size say some of these political things, which I would probably agree with. But it just felt like it could have dealt with you know a bit more workshopping maybe substantially more workshopping i what i read a, a review by what's schreier what's it alice schreier is it alice schreier abigail schreier and there's a story he tells in it about a transgender comedian from san francisco that he becomes friendly with mm. which is kind of the whole point of the show in a sense at the end isn't it this is the point toward that he builds towards and it certainly goes This is the moment where it goes from comedy to pathos. The question is whether it's pathos or bathos. I'm not really sure. And it was, I felt it was clunky. He does not stick that landing. Like, it does not. You can see exactly what he's trying to do with it. It just doesn't achieve it because it's just not well done enough. It it feels more like a a very well put together 55 minute a TED talk of a very peculiar type than than a, than a comedy show. I mean, one of the things that came to mind when I was watching it is if this had been impacted by COVID, because 
comedians usually like they, they'll workshop jokes in smaller venues as they're going along they don't just write it once come out to the big top and say it like they go through iterations of it to improve it so when you when you see usually when you see these jokes this would be like this is nowhere near the first time he's told them he's told them god knows how many times and they've changed every time to better basically make them funnier and i did sort of wonder if covid had disrupted that and you don't have that sort of workshopping opportunity and so this is nearer the, to the first draft than we ever would have seen so like the the point where the story he goes to at the end where he's talking about a friend of his a comedian a transgender comedian who died and the entire point of the show is about basically social hierarchy and punching up and punching down yeah and he's trying to make the point that she committed suicide after defending his special and being bullied by other transgender people yeah and how can you have this idea like is that punching up or punching down yeah sure if you attack dave Chappelle, it's punching up but if you're going to drive a woman like that to suicide how can you say that you're punching up that is the basic point of it and what he's trying to put across but it is delivered badly just yeah badly it, it, it's a it's a problem that you have to try you have to actually try and explain it to either to someone else or even to yourself to get to the, the point that where he he ultimately is saying there he, it's a defense of comedy really isn't it it's the defense of the right of comedians to do comedy and he talks about the phrase that she uses you 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 you're 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 not being good to my people that this is an attack on my people where for a her this my people meant the transgender i hate the word community in these contexts but we'll say that the transgender community and he finishes off when the tor- the story twists by defend she defends him she defends him because she knows him but also because he's a comedian and she's a comedian she feels solidarity with him and she feels it's important for him to be able to say these things and ultimately she dies because of this that's the implication because of the attacks of her and he says that she was one of my people she was a comedian she, and he's he say okay you can attack dave chappelle because and that feels like it's punching up but ultimately there's you know there are all these other small people small comedians and there that's his group that's his identity group that's his community and it's his job in a sense to defend the people that can't defend themselves within his community these are his people and this was his and that's a worthy thing to want to do i mean how long have we been listening now gary to even very very substantial comedians talk about the fact that there are venues that they won't do there are kinds of shows they won't perform anymore because they're going to get hassled they're going to get protested the the people like jerry seinfeld People try to give Jerry, trying to give, can you imagine trying to give Jerry Seinfeld a list of topics that he can or cannot talk about? And Jerry Seinfeld has, he, he has more money than God. He doesn't have to do this. He does this because he likes to do it. It's, he's, uh, Seinfeld in a sense is like the comedic shark. This is the nature of his being. He is because he is a comedian and he's be, he is because he's been trying to be funny or is funny. But he won't do the he won't do the students anymore, and he, he, there and there are kinds of shows that lots of them won't do. And you, the result of this is you get Hannah Gadsby, you get Nanette, you get. But you know, you watch a lot. You've been you watch a lot of comedy, don't you, Gary? Yeah, yeah, fair bit. Um, 
I think that people are overestimating how new this is. I think this has been, this has been a process that's been going on for a long time. The difference is that for a long time it was okay because of who was who had the whip hand and who was getting on. I've seen shows from God a long time ago with, say, George Carlin doing his political stuff. Or who's the other guy? Not George. He's the other. He was. No, not Len, I like Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce, I always felt, was genuinely had that touch of madness to him. Lenny Bruce was arrested for a comedy act using a sexually explicit uh, a joke, I think. Anyway, there was another, I can't remember who it was, a very famous comedian, for some reason he always escapes me, who did, who had a similar kind of politics to George Carlin, it was a similar cultural milieu, and I've, I've watched shows and been very aware that the audience was clapping because this was their way of showing that they shared these values, or they agreed. I'm in a comedy show. I, I laugh. I don't understand. You know this thing the Americans, you see with American audiences, not so much European audiences, where they tell a joke and people go, woo, 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 and scream it. If somebody says something funny, laugh. What the fuck? Why? I don't... And anyway, I think this is a part of it. This has been going on a long time. The problem is now it's going the, it's going the other way. But I'd say Dave Chabelle is making dollars. Oh, no, he's, he's making money. I think one of the other things, and it's sort of irritating me, is he says more than he says a couple of times in it. I'm going all the way tonight. Yeah, he doesn't, does he? He nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. Either politically or just on sheer distasteful edgy joke. I mean, if any of you are familiar with like Doug Stanhope, at no point does he come even near the level of Doug Stanhope on like just sheer distastefulness you know if you i mean stan stan hope is so you don't have to go i don't think out as far as stan hope i think that watching that show like i think would for example uh, a recently cancelled i don't know if he's on cancelled louis i think a louis ck show would have been far more edgy than anything that chapelle was doing last night i think bill burr would would does goes farther than that stuff the late Norm Macdonald regularly would go much farther. I, I, yeah, I, I think you're right even about Bill Burr. I mean, Bill Burr did an entire bit on the statement, it's never okay to hit a woman, which was entirely about maybe there are times to hit a woman. I mean, Doug Stanhope did a bit on, uh, suburb, on paranoia about pedophilia. And I'm not going to repeat any of the statements he made about it, but there are many things in that that um, in a lesser age would have had you convicted of uh, obscenity pretty quickly. Yeah, it's hor- horrendously offensive. And I mean, and, and, and in, in so many ways. It's also actually pretty funny, but that's, that's, that's no defence. That's going all the way. Yeah. And the, the, the other the thing that, kind of irritated me was when he would do this he would say this i'm going all the way and he'd call he'd he'd hunch down and he would laugh i felt the person that was laughing most of that show last night was dave uh not last night uh, on netflix at the the moment it was dave Chappelle. he really seemed to be enjoying his own jokes tremendously it's one of my favorites and i've referenced before you know the episode of south park where Kyle Burf, Kyle's parents uh, move to, I think it's Kyle's parents, they, they, got, they get a Prius 
and they move to San Francisco because they have to leave the town because they're just not, they're not enough. They're not progressive enough. They're not socially engaged enough. And the 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 meme of the of the of is the, of the show is that everybody in San Francisco basically spends their time smelling their own farts and enjoying them tremendously. I, there was a I, I why should I care? I heard Dave Chappelle's feelings. Like he'll never hear this. But there was an element of that to it, Gary, that he was really enjoying this. And he was enjoying the notion. He seemed to be. Maybe this was a pure confection. Maybe he was just tired and he couldn't come up with ideas and, he had, and he'd already taken the check from Netflix so he had to do something. But this sense that he was really, really enjoying and he was going to push it out and he was going to tell these great... And I kept waiting. I waited for the moment where he said something that maybe would make me laugh, would make me go, ooh. It never happened. Not once. Not once did he come close to saying something. And every time he came, he said something, he would then go on and apolog- effectively apologise and explain it. But he never said anything really hard, hardcore. No, no. Just felt kind of half-baked. It made me think of great performances that I'd seen. And after all the hoo-ha and the brouhaha and listening, I, I, if anybody's interested and they want to go and watch some great stand-up, I would say, look at Richard Pryor's stuff before and after he set himself on fire. Probably after he set himself on fire, maybe. Eddie Murphy's first couple of shows, the show in the leather uh, jumpsuit or the purple jumpsuit, were fantastic. But if you have an issue with the use of profanity, this is not a place to go. I think we're talking before Eddie Izzard's first couple of shows, back before he became wildly political, were brilliant confections. Yeah, I still think his joke um, about imperialism and flags is one of the finest jokes I've ever heard. How does that go? It's uh, it's an explanation of how British imperialism operated, which largely consisted of uh, going places, turning to the natives and saying, we're going to take everything between here and the horizon. And when they say, we were here first, you say, well, did you have a flag? And when they say no, you say, well, then fuck off. <laughs> Flag, your flag. I loved that scene, which I absolutely no point that I'm trying to attempt to describe. Which is basically the idea that if you own cats, that they are actually spending their lives trying to escape, and the noise of purring is actually used to cover up the noise of the the escape tunnels that they are drilling behind the sofa. And I can just assure you that it is sublimely and surreally funny. Dylan Moran, Monster is a great show. There are lots of great shows. Lots of great comedians out there. I think part of the, the problem with Chappelle is initially when he was on Comedy Central and you had the Chappelle show, which is a great show, tons of great stuff in it, and he walks away from that eventually. He was incredibly popular because the things he were saying were more politically in line with the cultural consensus at the time. They pissed off conservatives but they didn't piss off the actual people who were his peer group, who were reviewing it. Yeah, his 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 constant theme has been race. It, race and the white man kind of thing. Uh, white man, white man culture and, and, the, and the brothers in the hood. That would, that's been his staple. But now, now his politics are not in line with them. So you're starting to see people review against Dave Chappelle because they're pissed off at the political content of it. Nearly every negative review I've read about the closer has focused on the politics of it, as opposed to simply pointing out it's not very funny. Yeah, they're just they're so 
angry that he would say these things about the transgender community or things like that or gay people that it doesn't matter if it's funny they're gonna bomb it because they don't like the content of it i think i read one review of it which just made that point and did talk about the politics to an extent but also just made the point it's not very funny when you strip it of political context actually speaking of dave Chappelle and you're going all the way and the edgiest jokes that he's ever done yeah i think the edgiest joke he has ever done and i think it was on one of his netflix stand-ups was about pitching a superhero who received his powers from rape and the punchline was he rapes but he saves more than he rapes yeah i can see that being problematic that i think is the the most offensive joke he's probably ever made outside an american context where they get super offended by anything to do with race and even in that one he's telling it as a story that he deliberately said to someone else to piss them off as opposed to just a joke he's saying to the audience so even then he's distancing himself from it he's giving himself cover yeah but no, i i don't think it's it's very good it might be worth interesting as a cultural touchstone and with the uh, with the pushback against it, more people are going to watch it. But it's not terribly good. I mean, if you wanted something that's like comedic and good to watch, you'd be better off watching something like Cobra Kai, which is better than it has any right to be, Michael. Which was? Cobra Kai is uh, it's on Netflix at the minute. And you know the movie The Karate Kid? I do. So basically, it's all of the original actors from The Karate Kid who are still alive brought forward to the present day. Are they the actual actors? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they're much older now. And it's just how their lives have changed since that... Uh, that was 84? Yeah, like 37 years ago. Oh, yeah. So, like, these people are all in their 50s. But none of them have moved on from that from the events of the Karate Kid. So you still have the bad guy dojo? Well, actually, the, the bad guy from the Karate Kid, Johnny Lawrence, is kind of the main character of Cobra Kai. And it shows the events of the Karate Kid from his perspective. So he's running an, an evil dojo. Not at the start, but he soon brings back Cobra Kai. And uh, basically ends up with a load of losers and geeks that he's trying to train to be badass. There are some fantastic jokes in it, though. So uh, Mr. Miyagi is... Well, he's dead. But also, actually, on a political level, Johnny Lawrence is like very... like Has not moved on politically from the 80s. There's a scene where... Um, one of the students, he asks one of the students if he's retarded. And the student says, well, my mother thinks I may be on the spectrum. And the response is, I don't know what the hell that is, but you better get off it right now. <laughs> oh, God. Back in the days when Ronald Reagan was president. Yeah, or like he gets a call from a student and he's like, yeah, yeah, we have we have boys and girls, they're all allowed. And the, the caller asks, can a gender fluid person turn up? And he's like, what the fuck is that? Is this a prank call? And just hangs up. <laughs> but he's not played as a villain. He's not played particularly sympathetically either. It's just, this is what he is like. This is a guy. Also, like, it shows, like, some, you know, you ever heard, like... <laughs> Not the joke, the idea that, like, the average bully from a 90s, a film set in the 90s, put into a modern school, would be some sort of apocalypse-level threat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it shows what happens there, except now all of the bullies know karate. <clears throat> so, effectively, you have this also un unreconstructed Reagan 
well, we'll say Reagan democratism, now doing this. But he's he's got this bunch of kind of misfits and whatever, and he's turning them in to karate dudes. Yeah, and they're all... So there's a, is there kind of an element, a weird sort of... I don't know, is, is, is it Kelly? What is it? Not the Magnificent Seven. I'm trying to think about that one of those, one of those films where they get all the, the misfits together in the army, like... And uh, they all go off to do something, some very dangerous thing. But it's, there's something vaguely re- re- redemptive about the whole experience for them. They come together as a group and discover themselves. Yeah, so it's it's a, this is a guy, who, and he ends up just teaching like a lot of mixed race and mixed sex students just because he needs money. And uh, he is a relatively positive influence on their lives, bar all the um, wild karate showdowns. Someone karate's themselves out of a coma. And they just, they karate themselves out of it, Michael. <laughs> What's this called again? This sounds like a show I, I, I have to go check out. At Cobra Kai. It's on Netflix. It's very good. It, as I said, it's far better than it has any right to be. Also, you're watching it and it, it cuts back to Karate Kid, the movie, because they have all the rights to it. And they show a lot of unused footage from it. But I was watching Paris and I was like, there was way more to the Karate Kid film than I remember happening. <laughs> well, there you go. We have done uh, restaurant reviews, we've done comedy, and now we're doing refits of 80s karate movies. I mean, I don't know how more you, you can give the audience, frankly. Like you have to respect their dedication to it. Like, there's... Like, side characters from the Karate Kid. Like, big characters who show up in a couple of scenes. And they've went and they've found the original actors and actresses who did that. To bring them back. Bring them back. Very good. Well, we shall... Speaking of bringing back, because that's as close as I'm getting to a segue on this one. We shall be back on Friday. Where presumably we will be talking about those carbon budgets. Oh, God, the carbon. I'm so... If I have to see one more ad telling me that we have to save the planet, Gary, I am going to lose my small and tired mind. I know what they're doing. I know why they're doing it. I know the But, Gary, the planet is fine. There's nothing wrong with the the planet. The temperature... In the biosphere or the ionosphere or the atmosphere of this planet could go up by 50 degrees and the planet would be fine. The planet is grand. Speaking of comedians who are more, like they could be very funny, but also people just agreed with them politically a lot of the time, is uh, George Carlin. George Carlin's bit on, um, and I, I think about it every time I see one of those ads that say the planet, we're destroying the planet. George Carlin did an entire bit, and it could be summed up with, the planet is fine, the people may be fucked, but the planet is fine. And if that's what you mean, say that. Absolutely. I mean, I agree. George, his politics were not mine. And I always felt that when he wasn't doing this later political stuff, he was funnier, that he wasn't, it was, but anyway, we won't go into George Carlin now. If you're worried about the poor animals, if it's your concern is the baby pandas and the polar bears, say we have to do this because the baby pandas and the polar bears are having trouble. Or if your concern is 
the people of Vanuatu or the Coral Islands, well then say that. But don't say the planets in terms of planets is fine. Because, and maybe this is a slightly more serious point, if we can identify precisely what it is we are worried about, then we're going to be in a better position to work out what we are willing to do and what we will have to do to respond to that, rather than say the planet's in trouble. Because, Gary, if the planet's in trouble, there's not a whole lot we wouldn't do, because that's kind of the end of the road there. But if the end of the road is, in fact, maybe six or seven dozen coral atolls in the South Seas getting wetter than they are now, and I'm not saying that that is the point, but if that were to be the problem, well, then you know what? The scale of the problem suddenly looks slightly different. Anyway, such is life. As I say, Gary, we will be back on Friday, all things otherwise, considered, talking about things like gaseous eruptions coming from Luxembourg, where all the energy ministers are meeting. But until then, it's, I suppose, stay safe and mind yourselves. All the best.